0: was 2009, and around 30 people in the month of March decided to leave every one of their home churches that felt comfortable to them and decided to go and start a church in the valley of Oceanside, California. By September 13th, when we launched our very first service, news of the worst flu season was happening, and it was partly happening in every news cycle across the globe. People were worried about eating bacon or petting pigs in the zoo, and so they began to shut down some of the favorite, my favorite places in all of San Diego, the wild animal park and the San Diego Zoo. Hospitals were beginning to shut down, and family and caregivers were the only ones allowed inside for fear of this flu traveling rapidly throughout the hospital. And this wasn't just happening in Oceanside. It was happening across the world. On October 20th, my nine-month-old son got a temperature of 103. And my wife and I battled through the night trying to lower his temperature and to try to prevent him from getting any type of seizures. So finally, on Wednesday, October 21st, in the middle of the morning we decided we needed to take him to the emergency room in Oceanside. My wife was exhausted, and she asked me, could I just simply take him and she would catch up with me later? And so I said, sure. Well, while we were there, we discovered that there were some spots in his lungs, and they first thought it might be pneumonia. So they decided that they were going to transfer us to Children's Hospital in San Diego. And they put us in an isolated room, and they tested him. And we discovered that he had contracted the H1N1 flu, also known as the swine flu. We were devastated. We felt isolated because my wife and I could only visit. Our son and my two girls had to stay at home because they were not even allowed in the hospital. So every night, we would just have to Skype with them and their little brother so that they can just say goodnight and kiss him and we could pray as we rounded up the evening we thought this was the worst news that we could ever experience and we were wrong a few days into our stay at children's hospital now with the h1n1 flu they did some more tests on those spots that they thought was pneumonia and my wife and I were already battling feelings of isolation from our family, from our friends, and from our church, who we had just had to leave them behind five weeks earlier. We then got the worst news we could ever hear. As we were sitting in that isolated room, a team of people came through the front door of our room, and I turned to my wife. And I remember jokingly saying, This looks like it's going to be expensive. And as the doctor came in, and as what we would find out later, an oncologist came in, and a nurse came in, and a patient representative came in, and they told us that not only did our son have the H1N1 flu, but he was also being diagnosed with a stage four malignant rhabdoid tumor, also known as. MRT. Some of the million questions that ran through my head. Is stage four survivable? How does a nine-month-year-old baby get cancer? Am I going to get H1N1 from him? Do I have to stay clear of him? What did I do wrong? Was I not faithful enough to God? Aren't pastors supposed to get a free pass to anything bad? How are you, God, going to get me out of this mess? How am I supposed to lead a church when all I feel is out of control and in pain? Will this church even last without me? How are you going to work this out, God? How am I supposed to work in this? How am I supposed to figure out whether we're going to weather through this financially? How can I be a parent of two girls who aren't even with me. Why do I feel so useless being trapped in this hospital? I had more questions than I had answers, but I also had more hope than good news. I was in a place that was so foreign to me, feeling isolated. I felt that I was in a dangerous place, in a hospital hallways that were empty because of the H1N1 flu. But that's where I learned what an unstoppable community was all about. I want to define what an unstoppable community is for you. I'm defining it as a place where only God can create and mold people into who he wants them to be despite their circumstances and who they are, and he places them together with other people living out a similar journey. During that time, I discovered a few building blocks to help create what is now what we're going to talk about today, an unstoppable community. No matter what situation or what season you might be in or where God puts you in, there will be an unstoppable community that God wants to place you in. Maybe you're in one this morning. The first building block to having an unstoppable community is this that we need to build a foundation that is real. I wanna share you a story of how God challenged me to be real. You see, just when I thought that God was ripping me away from everything that I thought God wanted me to do in the community that we were planting in, God was also drawing me into the one he needed me to be in first. You see, in the first month of our stay at Children's Hospital, our son was in the ICU now, not only battling the H1N1, but also his cancer. And my wife and I would trade nights staying. One would stay in Roland McDonald House, and the other one would begin to just stay in the room with him so that we could stay and answer any questions the doctors had for us. Well, two weeks into the hospital stay, God had an unstoppable community opportunity for us. As I was walking to my son's ICU room, I remember hearing distinct crying and just complete pouring out of just heartbrokenness. And as I was walking by this family, I was thinking, man, that stinks to be them. And that right then and there is where I discovered God challenged me that he wanted me to be real with a stranger. You see, I was going to the ICU room where my son had a stage four cancer. But he also said, you need to go back to them and you need to ask them how you can pray for them. And I remember having this internal dialogue in my mind saying, God, what do you mean go back and talk to them? I'm the one who is hurting. And slowly and surely, God won. You see, when I passed up that family, I noticed that the father had the same color wristband on his wrist as mine, and what that meant was is that he had a child in the ICU room, like I did. When I turned and I asked for his name, his name was Eliseo, and I found out that his son, Javier, had cancer. And for the next few weeks, God built an unstoppable community in a place where no one else was allowed to be in. God placed myself and Eliseo in a place where I encouraged him to read and we read God's word together. But we were also just a couple of grieving dads weeping for their sons. We would spend nights reading the Bible We would spend nights praying, and we would spend nights crying together. We were about as real as we could be from one dad to another. One month later, as I was sitting in my room speaking with the hospital chaplain, a nurse comes into my room and says, you need to go see Eliseo, he's asking for you. And naturally, I turned to the chaplain saying, I think he needs you to go. And the nurse said, no, Eliseo wants you. You see, Eliseo's son, Javier, had just coded, and he passed away. My community of grieving fathers was now solidified. And as I was stepping into this room, and all I can hear him doing is calling out his son's name, Javier, Javier. And all I can hear him doing is calling out to his heavenly father, why? Why? No, Javier, I called out as well. God, why am I here? What can I even say to this man who just lost his son? What can I do? Little did I realize that God was preparing me that six months from then, I would be doing the same over my own son. There's a passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8, where Paul, who is writing to the Christians or the Christ followers in Rome, and he uses a very unique term in the beginning of this passage that I want to share with you. And what I want to do is I want to work through it because he says something so that so stood out to me where I felt like this is where real needs to start. And it says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, and it says, "'For by the grace given me, "'I say to every one of you, "'do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, "'or rather think of yourselves with sober judgment, "'in accordance with the faith "'that God has distributed to each of you, "'for just as each of us has one body with many members,' then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Then Paul also was writing to the church at Galatia, and he tells them, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. You see, as I began to read over these passages, the very first thing that I thought God wanted me to do was to start his church. And so I was thinking, I need to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in starting this church. But God wanted me in this season, the H1N1 season, the swine flu season, he wanted me to be the ears and the tears of the brokenhearted in a hospital that was 35 miles away from everything that I held precious. You see, God's unstoppable community brought me to a place where only the broken could go. I was in an ICU room of a grieving father only to prepare me for the loss of my own. Paul recognizes this unstoppable community That He is placed in. You see in the beginning of that passage in Romans chapter 12, he says that it is by the grace given to him first. You see this was a man that was a persecutor of Christ's followers and on his way to go to persecute more Christ's followers, he met the risen Jesus and God changed his life. God rescued Paul and now became the greatest advocate for Christ's followers. And so he first has to recognize and tell him, and he says that we need to be humble before we can even recognize other people. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to, probably even thinking about who he thought he was first, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment. For just as each of us, one body with many members, They don't have all the same function. And what I started to realize that even though I thought God had me in a place where he wanted me to be, he says, I have a different place for you right now. You see, sometimes God changes our roles in different seasons. Sometimes when we think we are one part of the body, he is saying, I need you to be this other part. As I was still in that ICU room, over the course going all the way into past Thanksgiving Day, I would hear other fathers begin to cry out as their children would begin to code. Going in inside and out of those hospital rooms, I would begin to start developing relationship with other dads who had no idea what they were getting themselves into, but other than just feeling frustrated and having to just meet them in the hallways and say, how can I pray for you? God would also teach us that as we were going through the hallways of these empty hallways, they would allow our son to go in this wagon and what we would do is we'd begin to play worship music going down from the first floor to the second floor to the third floor and what we would do is just simply call out and sing and my son, even though he was still just a baby, he would be able to just hum some of the words that he began to start learning as a baby. You see, 10 years living out some of those parts, it continues in verse five and it says, so in Christ, we that we form one body, each member belongs to all the others. We have different kinds of gifts and according to the grace given to each one of us, you see, God was showing me that even in spite of my pain, that I was able to go and still be a pastor to other people. In some of these gifts, it was for prophesying. He so says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. And if it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do so diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And what I found slowly is that God had me in various seasons over the next six months. God was showing me that each one of those times, God had a role for me to play in that hospital. You see, that no matter what was happening in that season, whether it's H1N1 flu or swine flu, or even with what we're experiencing today, with the COVID 19, the coronavirus, God is showing us, his followers, that we can still have an unstoppable community. And I want to read this definition to you one more time. It is a place where only God can create and mold people into who he wants them to be despite their circumstances and of who they are. And he places them together with other people living out a similar journey you see the first building block was to build a foundation that is real the second building block that we're going to learn today is that we also need to have to frame our your life with the right pieces what do i mean by that there's a phrase that we use in our life groups ministry here at southwinds we say we love doing life together And if you were to ask me what are the components that any one of our life groups needs to have in this church, I would narrow it down to three things. The first thing I would tell people is they need to be able to, in any life group, in our entire church, you need to be able to read God's word. The second thing we would tell them is that not only is God's word read, but we have to learn how it is applied to our life. And the third thing I would tell them is that they need to be able to pray. They need to be able to communicate to the God who came down on this earth and loved us. You see, in John fourteen six, Jesus answered, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life that no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, the moment when I knew that I met Eliseo in that hallway and he began to grieve just as I was grieving, the very first thing I knew we needed to do, even through all of the pain, even the things that we were going through, we needed to go to God's word. We needed to be able to hear how God was speaking to us. And one of the things that we began to discover was this. As we read God's word, he gave us the confidence to show us that he was going to be there no matter what. Jesus, when he was trying to be questioned and tried to, they were trying to trip him up and asking him, which of the 10 commandments is of the greatest? I love his response in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. He tells him this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he tells him this, and the second is love your neighbor as yourself. You see, the very first thing that God is challenging each one to do is to establish this most amazing relationship with him. Why? It's because he wants to get to know us intimately. And even though I felt like everything was being taken away, and even though I would, be, I would just struggle to even read his word fighting through the tears, God would remind me that he was going to be there. And even though I was up against anything that was, I could not, was even capable of healing, I was not a doctor, I was not an oncologist, I was not even capable of healing him, But God would remind me to love him. But he would also remind me that I needed to love the people around me that he placed me in. Why does God create unstoppable community? He creates unstoppable community because Jesus overcame death to show us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That he is the giver of life, and he also knows when it's our time To be with him. You see, we have to build a a foundation that is real with other people. So when we're struggling, we need to share with who we are. We need to frame our life around the right pieces, which is God's word. And we need to learn how to be able to apply it and to be able to just simply talk to God and say, God, I struggle with what I read in this Bible, but I know it's your living word. And the last thing we need to do in building an unstoppable community is we need to finish the work together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says this, "'And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching.'" You see, God is not surprised by whatever season we are in. You see, if you are broken, you need to begin to start sharing with others. You see, one of the tendencies, one of the things that I wanted to do was as soon as we got the news is I just wanted to isolate myself. I heard a good phrase, and it says this, if the enemy can isolate us, He can also influence us. And what I began to learn over the course of this last 10-year journey in the loss of our son is this, that we cannot isolate, that we must share the story of how God has been working in our lives with him and also without him. You see, if you're finding yourself that isolated in a community, God has a way right now during this COVID-19 season that maybe if you're, you can get onto a Zoom, we will give you a Zoom account just so that you can connect with other people. Maybe when you're going home and before you go inside your house that you maybe say hi to your neighbor from 6, 10, 20, 30 feet away because people are still yearning to have community. Take your dog out for a walk. Join a walking group like I did over the last few months. And I will tell you this, people were willing to talk. God is still all over this COVID-19 season. And you simply have to remember that you need to be able to be ready because his community cannot be stopped. And if you're sitting in your living room or in your car and you're watching this message and you're thinking, I don't want to get this coronavirus. I'm here to tell you that there is a God who is simply saying, do you love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength? And if your answer is yes, then his response is also and go and love your neighbor. You see, even though our tendency and our desire is wanting to isolate, and as we begin to start re-strategizing of how we're going to regather, God wants to remind us that his unstoppable community will always be around. And it may not be in the way that we want, but maybe God is molding you for a place and a season where he wants you to be my final scripture i want to share with you today comes out of james chapter 1 in verses 2 through 4 and it's a scripture that i consistently recited when i was in the hospital and it says this consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing and this is the biggest part here church Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If you're sitting and you're hearing this message and you're saying, man, God, why do I still feel so uncomfortable? Why am I refusing to consider what I'm experiencing pure joy? What are you trying to do in this season? Maybe God is still trying to mature you into a place where you're not lacking anything, which I'll be honest with you, is probably the day he calls you home, which means that however long God has all of us here on this earth, that he wants to remind us that he wants us to learn how to love him more and more. And he wants us to learn how to love his people just the same. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for today. God, I thank you, Lord, that you have an unstoppable community. You have an unstoppable church. That, Lord, no matter what rules or laws have been made, that, God, that you are above them all. And, God, I want to pray, Lord, that whoever is hearing this message, Lord, would hear a message, Lord. One, that we need to simply go to you and love you we need to begin to start learning how to love the people you've placed in our lives. God, help us learn how to be real with the people that you have placed in our lives. Whether we want to share the stuff that is happening inside of our lives, God, we simply need to be open because other people are experiencing the exact same things. God, you're going to do a great work in us. And God, I pray, Lord, that no matter what this season brings, may we always find peace in you. God, we thank you, Lord, that the church is not based off of this building, that the church is you, and your church is unstoppable. So help us, Father God, continue to live out this unstoppable community you have placed us in today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, we'd like to thank you so much for joining us this Sunday. And we want to remind you that next week we're going to continue in our series of Regather. And also we want to remind you, make sure that you are part of God's unstoppable community this week. Thank you so much and God bless you.